Good morning, Emmanuel. Please turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 19. Genesis chapter 19. I'm going to begin by reading to you verses 1 through 29. Genesis 19 verses 1 through 29. I do bring greetings to you from Kailua Baptist Church on the island of Oahu. We love being a part of the Emmanuel Network, and we really do love you all. And we thank you for your constant prayers. Uh, you're, you're on a short list of churches that I really do feel like, like family with. Are, hopefully, everyone's church, you feel like a family, but you all really are a part of our spiritual family. So I am very honored to be able to deliver God's word to you this morning. Genesis 19, the two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed himself with his face to the earth and said, my lords, please turn aside to your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise up early and go on your way. They said, no, we will spend the night in the town square. But he pressed them strongly, so they turned aside to him and entered his house. And he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. But before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man surrounded the house and they called to Lot, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them. Lot went out to, to the men at the entrance, shut the door after him and said, I beg you, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. Behold, I have two daughters who have not known any man. Let me bring them out to you and do to them as you please. Only do nothing to these men, for they have come under the shelter of my roof. But they said, stand back. And they said, this fellow came to sojourn, and he has become the judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. Then they pressed hard against the man Lot and drew near to break the door down. But the men reached out their hands and brought Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck with blindness the men who were at the entrance of the house, of the house both small and great, so that they wore themselves out, groping for the door. Then the men said to Lot, Have you anyone else here, sons-in-law, sons, daughters, or anyone you have in the city? Bring them out of the place, for we are about to destroy this place, because the outcry against its people has become great before the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and said to his sons-in-law, who were to marry his daughters, Up, get out of this place, for the Lord is about to destroy the city. But he seemed to his sons-in-law to be jesting. As morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he lingered. 
So the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and sent him outside the city. And as they brought them out, one said, escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills, lest you be swept away. And Lot said to them, oh no, my lords, behold, your servant has found favor in your sight. And you have shown me great kindness in saving my life. But I cannot escape to the hills, lest disaster overtake me and I die. Behold, this city is near enough to flee to, and it is a little one. Let me escape there. Is it not a little one? And my life will be saved. He said to him, Behold, I grant you this favor also, that I will not overthrow the city of which you have spoken. Escape there quickly, for I can do nothing till you arrive there. Therefore, the name of the city was called Zoar. The sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zoar. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. But Lot's wife behind him, looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord, and he looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the valley, and he looked, and behold, the smoke of the land went up like the smoke of a furnace. So it was that. When God destroyed the cities of the valley, God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had lived. This is God's word. I want to help you to see today that meditating on God's justice really can help you appreciate God's mercy more. And we'll find that in Genesis 19. And the New Testament actually wants us to meditate on Genesis 19. I don't know if you thought of the first Sunday of Advent would be a good Sunday to study Sodom and Gomorrah, hellfire and brimstone. But this, the New Testament wants us to study Genesis 19. In Matthew 11, Jesus rebukes the city of Capernaum. And says, judgment day will be more bearable for Sodom than for you. That's Genesis 19 that he's talking about. Or Luke 17, Jesus commands us. I don't know if you've ever done this before, but if you've ever heard Jesus' command here before, he commands us in Luke 17 to remember Lot's wife. It's Genesis 19. And 2 Peter 2 says, God made Sodom and Gomorrah examples to us of what final judgment will be like for unbelievers. We are supposed to think a lot about Genesis 19. So my exhortation to you is very simple. Remember Sodom and Gomorrah. Remembering Sodom and Gomorrah is for our sanctification. And 
on this Sunday that's traditionally known as the first Sunday of Advent, which Advent is the celebration of the coming of the Messiah into the world. Sodom and Gomorrah help us. They're a picture of humanity for us. It, it helps us to understand why the world needed a Savior to come. So I pray this text will lead many in this room to faith in Christ, and uh, it will help Emmanuel to deeper faith in Christ. I want to share four things from this chapter to remember, four things to remember about Sodom and Gomorrah. Number one, remember how wicked Sodom really was. This will be verses 1 through 11. Remember how wicked Sodom really was. This chapter is in the middle of the story of Abraham, which really starts in Genesis 12, where God began making all kinds of promises to Abraham. And among those promises, he said he would bless Abraham and his family. And Lot is Abraham's nephew. And right before this, in chapter 18, God revealed to Abraham that he was about to destroy Lot's home, which is the city of Sodom. So Abraham prayed at the end of chapter 18. He prayed that God might spare Sodom for the sake of the believers there, like Lot. And at the end of the chapter, Abraham and God agreed. If there were at least 10 righteous souls in the city, God would spare Sodom. But chapter 19 shows us there were not 10 righteous ones there. You heard in verse 1, these two angels come to visit Sodom. They're really representing God as they visit Sodom. And in verse 2, Lot met them. He seems to be waiting at the gate of the city, looking for visitors. And he, see, he said to these angels, he doesn't realize they're angels yet, My lords, please turn aside to your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise up early and go on your way. He meets them at the gate of the city and then urges them to come to his house, but then even wants them to leave early in the morning. Back in Genesis 13, God had already said the, the men of Sodom were great sinners against the Lord. And if you read 2 Peter 2, you'll understand that Lot, even though this was his home, he had been tormented by the sin of his city. So he's probably trying to protect visitors, meeting, up the, meeting them at the gate and then sending them off early in the morning. He's trying to protect sin, uh, visitors from the, the, sin, the sinners in Sodom. And in verse 3, he convinces the angels to stay at his house. And then you, you may notice he, he made a feast with unleavened bread. This is what we would call a foreshadowing of the Passover meal later in Exodus chapter 12, where Moses, the same author of Genesis and Exodus, he's, in both places he's writing about a feast with unleavened bread right before he brings a plague upon his enemies. And in both cases, God is, at the same time he's punishing his enemies, he's protecting his people. You're going to get a good sense in this chapter of how sweet it is to really be a child of God, how, how he protects his people. In verses 4 and 5, all the men of Sodom come to Lot's house and tell him to bring those two guests out to them. This is exactly what Lot was afraid of. 
And the text says they want to know them. The, the, the men of Sodom want to know the visitors, which is a word for sexual intimacy. The, the men of Sodom want to commit some violent sexual crime against these visitors. Now, we are all sinners, brothers and sisters. But you know it's really bad when people are as unashamed of their sin as the men of Sodom were. They're, they're not trying to hide their intentions here. They're, they're not even trying to hide violent sexual sin here. This is like many people in our culture. Perhaps you're someone here who you know what the Bible says, but you don't care, and you're very open about your sin. We want to cultivate churches that would be able to confess sin to one another, but we don't, want to, we don't want people who are just open and don't care that they're in sin, which is what's happening in Sodom and what's happening in, to many in our culture. So, so our response always is to pray that God might soften hearts around us. Don't, don't get mad at the culture. You know, the more brazen our culture gets about sin, don't get mad at them. We want to pray. Pray that God would soften hearts around us and keep our own hearts softened towards sin. So Lot was right to try and protect his guests from the residents of Sodom, but in verse 7, you may have noticed this, Lot said, I beg you to the men of Sodom, do not act so wickedly. Behold, I have two daughters who have not known any man. Let me bring them out to you and do to them as you please. Only do nothing to these men, for they have come under the shelter of my roof. Lot is, there's no way around it. He's being a fool here. In Lot's mind, he wants to protect his house guests, so he thinks it would be better to give his own daughters to the angry mob then let anything happen to his guests. He, 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 he would be willing to give his daughters away to them in the name of hospitality? Brothers in this room, please know that we are supposed to protect our daughters. May the Lord make us all men who are willing to die before we would ever let anything like this happen to our children. There's no excuses for Lot here. The only explanation seems to be that he's just in such a panic because of the mob and he becomes a fool. And Lot is the one that God is going to rescue in this chapter. How bad must Sodom be if God wants to rescue Lot from this city. And thankfully, the men of Sodom did not listen to Lot's proposal about his daughters. Instead, all the crowd hears from Lot is that he's judging them. This fellow came to sojourn and he has become the judge? How dare you tell us who we can or cannot have sex with? Friends, mankind has been using that you're judging me card literally since the beginning of time. Just know, it's, it's just a way to make excuses 
for sin. Then the men of Sodom tried to force their way into Lot's house, and that's where the angels pull him into the house. And then they struck all the men of Sodom with blindness. So here's where Lot's finally getting the sense that these are not just regular men that came to visit him. He, he really was entertaining angels unawares. And this story is really here to prove to us, the readers, that yes, the city of Sodom and the city of Gomorrah and all these cities of the valley, they do deserve everything that's coming to them. Always remember, brothers and sisters, whenever God brings judgment, it is always right. He never gets judgment wrong. He's never too harsh, never too lenient. Our God always gets judgment right. The second thing to remember from this chapter, remember God's mercy upon Lot. This will be verses 12 through 22. Remember God's mercy upon Lot. In verses 12 through 14, the angels forewarn Lot that they were sent by God to destroy the city. Anytime God forewarns, it is always grace to those who hear the warning. So Lot tells his whole family, including his future sons-in-law, his daughters were engaged to be married at this point. But when he told his sons-in-law that God was about to destroy Sodom, in verse 14, he seemed to his sons-in-law to be jesting. They thought he was joking about God's judgment. They didn't heed the warning. Brothers and sisters, you only think God's judgment is a joke if you don't think the sin of the world is that bad. When you don't think sin is that bad, that's where you can start to think things like, would God really send people to hell? Oh, friends, don't fall prey to the mindset of Lot's sons-in-law. The less severe you think God's judgment is, the less severe you must think sin is. And the less severe you think sin is, the less holy you must think God is. Don't fall prey to this mindset then look at the level of mercy upon Lot. Verse 15, as morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. So notice the angels not going to save the sons-in-law now. Just you and your wife and your two daughters. Verse 16, but Lot lingered. Up, save your family, go, or you'll be swept away. But he lingered. You should read J.C. Ryle's holiness on this. Perhaps Lot was starting to lament, losing his earthly home. Maybe he started to wonder, is God really going to destroy this place? This is a, a moment of weakness for Lot. He wrongly lingered. And instead of letting Lot perish, 
like they're going to let the sons-in-law perish. Instead of letting Lot perish, which after that stunt he pulled with his daughters, I would have let him linger as long as he wants. This is proof that God is more merciful than any of us. Instead, the men, the angels seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, the Lord being merciful to him. And they brought him and set him outside the city. God graciously and mercifully and sovereignly rescues Lot. And then in verses 17 through 22, I won't read that whole part again, but after they leave the city, Lot actually asks to be able, they're going to lead him to the hills, but he actually asks to be able to go to the small city of Zoar. So even this seems like he's not trusting the angels, but the angels still let him go to this little city of Zoar, and they promise that they won't let the plague hit that little city. God is extremely merciful to Lot here. This story about God's righteous judgment upon Sodom and Gomorrah is also a story of God's incredible mercy to his people. If you want to beat salvation by works out of yourself, you should read the book of Genesis. Right at the very beginning of of the Bible, God makes it very clear that you're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, We've been saved by grace through faith, and and this is not our own doing. It's it's the gift of God, not a result of works. You're going to be reading this and looking, where's the works that Lot is doing that makes him better than the people of Sodom? Where where is it? You're not going to find it. it. It's not by works, so that no one will boast. Lot will not boast on Judgment Day. None of God's people will. The third thing to remember, remember Lot's wife, verses 23 to 26, remember Lot's wife. Now, notice in verse 17, the angels command Lot and his wife and his two daughters, escape for your life, do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. You hear that? Escape, do not look back. Do not stop. Then in verse 24, then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord. Sometimes people think these plagues that happen are judgments. Maybe God's not that involved in judgments, but it's the Lord rained and it's sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. This is total devastation of these wicked cities. But verse 26, Lot's wife behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. The angels said, don't look back. And she looked back. So God punished her. He turned her into a pillar, so a standing object of salt, something that would last a long time for people to look at. God is upholding Lot's wife as an example to warn us. 
Many of you will probably struggle with this. Why did God do something so harsh to this woman? I could understand maybe with the men of Sodom. I could understand if he had done something to Lot. But all she did was look back. First of all, she disobeyed God. The angels commanded Lot's family to not look back, and she looked back. This is really helping us to understand that God truly is holy, holy, holy. You think it's, it's okay to disobey that God ever, no matter how small you think the disobedience is? That, that God, where all the angels are surrounding his throne, they're, they're not even able to look at him, and they're just saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts all day, all night. He's holy. You, you, you think it's okay to disobey him? Any disobedience to God deserves punishment from God. Which only highlights God's mercy to all of us who are breathing right now. We have all disobeyed God and we all deserve to be turned into pillars of salt or worse. Lot lingered but is alive. Lot's wife looked back. And she is punished so that we will understand both holiness and mercy a little better. Also, the, the biggest help to understand Lot's wife is Jesus' words in Luke 17. Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life will keep it. Jesus interprets Lot's wife as trying to preserve her own life. She was most likely from Sodom. She's looking back because she treasures Sodom in her heart. As J.C. Ryle comments, her looking back reveals her inner character. We, we have a hard time with a story like this because we can't see into people's hearts but God can. He does. She is not punished only because she looked back. She's punished because she looked back, and she's also punished for the root of her actions in her heart. One more reason you can always trust God's judgments is because he can see into hearts perfectly. He is judging people based on what he sees in our hearts. Remember Lot's wife then, brothers and sisters. She is a pillar of salt for us to look at when you start to treasure the things of this world. Maybe you're following Jesus for many years, but then you start to look back at the world, start to regret what you're missing out on, some of the pleasures of this world. Remember Lot's wife. Don't save your pleasures in this life, but Lose your life. Count all things in this world, even the good things. Count them as loss in comparison to knowing Christ Jesus our Lord. Remember Lot's wife. And don't store up for treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. But keep your eyes fixed on Christ. 
the author and perfecter of our faith. Lot's wife is a merciful warning for all of us. And the fourth thing to remember from this chapter, remember God's covenant with Abraham. This will be verses 27 to 38, the rest of the chapter. This is really the main point of the chapter. Remember God's covenant with Abraham. That's what God chose to remember here. In verse 27, Abraham went back to the spot where he pleaded on behalf of Sodom in chapter 18. And from there, he looked out. And verse 28 says, the smoke of the land went up like the smoke of a furnace. It's, a, it's total destruction here. And in verse 29, when God destroyed, this is really like a summary of the chapter. When God destroyed the cities of the valley, God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had lived. God rescued Abraham's nephew Lot as a way to remember Abraham. And this really goes back to God's covenant with Abraham that he began in chapter, Genesis chapter 12, where God promised to bless Abraham. This is a part of God blessing Abraham. Why does the Bible move away from Abraham's story in chapters 12 through 18 to look at what's happening in Sodom and Gomorrah? It's because God loves Abraham and Abraham loves Lot. So for the sake of Abraham, God rescues Lot. The angels really come to warn Lot. The angels grab Lot away from the angry mob. The angels lead Lot to safety, all for the sake of Abraham. Then we see, even in the sin of Lot's family, God is thinking about Abraham. In verse 30, Lot leaves Zoar. So even this looks like weakness of faith. He, he wanted to go to Zoar because he, he was afraid of the hills in the first place. Now he wants to leave Zoar because he's, he's afraid he's actually going to get part of the plague in Zoar after all. And so he, he goes to the hills after all. So now it's just Lot and his two daughters in a cave. Then verse 31, And the firstborn said to the younger, our father is old, and there's not a man on earth to come in to us after the manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him, that we may preserve offspring from our father. It's good for these women to desire children, but this is where that desire becomes an idol. And that night they got Lot drunk, and the firstborn went in to have sexual relations with her own father. And the next night, in verses 34 and 35, they do the same thing again to Lot. And the younger one goes in to have sexual relations with her own father. And they both got pregnant by their father, Lot. Again, earlier, we know the men of Sodom were wicked, but you have Lot willing to give his daughters to the angry mob. You have this horrible immorality that these 
daughters commit with their father here, the fact that God saved this family out of Sodom is screaming to us that God is extremely slow to anger with his people. It also is reminding us that God is in all of this remembering Abraham. And in verse 37, the firstborn bore a son and called his name Moab. He is the father of the Moabites to this day. The younger also bore a son and called his name Ben-Ami. He is the father of the Ammonites to this day. The sons of Lot end up being, becoming bitter enemies of the nation of Israel. Psalm 83 refers to the nations of Moab and Ammon as among those nations that are conspiring against God's people. These sons of Lot in Genesis 19 actually end up being sources of national problems for Israel. But remember, God is remembering Abraham in all of this. Once God enters into covenant with you, he will always remember his covenants. God promised to bless Abraham and promised to bless all nations through Abraham's offspring. And if you know the book of Ruth, you, you'll know Ruth is from Moab. And so Ruth is a descendant of this horrible immorality in Genesis 19. And Ruth, according to Matthew chapter 1, ends up marrying back into Abraham's family, and she becomes an ancestor of Jesus Christ. The horrible sin of Genesis 19 cannot stop the amazing grace of God to bring a Savior into the world, even from the family lines of Abraham and Lot. None of our sin can stop the grace of God from saving his people. So two closing reflections here. Two closing reflections. Number one, how evil must the Jews in Jesus' day have been? How evil must the Jews in Jesus' day have been? In Matthew 11, verses 23 and 24, Jesus says, And you, Capernaum, this is a city of lots of unbelieving Jews in Jesus' day, and you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? you will be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you that it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. Jesus is speaking hyperbole here. The land of Sodom doesn't even exist in his day anymore. But he's saying... As bad as Sodom was, Capernaum, you are worse. And we saw the kind of judgment that Sodom deserved, and you're worse, Capernaum. 
And it's because the Jews in Jesus' day received more revelation than most people ever received. They saw Jesus in the flesh. They saw his miracles with their eyes. They actually saw him fulfill the very scriptures that they claimed to believe him. They saw all of this and they hated him. We know Sodom is evil. We know the unrepentant from Sodom will stand at the judgment and be damned. And yet it will be even worse for Capernaum or for anyone who has seen Jesus and reject him. And by, by way of application, it's worse for anyone today who hears the gospel and rejects Jesus. So heed the warning of God, friends. God is holding up Sodom and Gomorrah as a merciful warning, and now he's holding up Capernaum as a merciful warning. If you're living in sin today, you're one who you know exactly what the Bible says and you don't care. If that's you, let today be your day of repentance. God has brought a Savior into the world to make the reality of worldwide judgment that much more clear, and he came to actually save sinners from that judgment. That's Jesus Christ. Look to Christ today and live. Let these be warnings to you. God is giving you a chance. He's giving you breath right now. So let today be your day of repentance. Look to Christ. And second and last reflection how great then must the work of Christ be? In light of all this, how great then must the work of Christ be? Think about this. God gave Sodom a chance to repent. All the way back in chapter 13, they were already great sinners against the Lord. Lot was a part of the outcry against them. He, he's been pleading, praying for against the wickedness in, in his city for many years. God doesn't destroy them till chapter 19. He gave them a chance to repent. Anyone in Sodom could have been saved if they repented. God gave Capernaum a chance to repent. He sent Jesus physically to Capernaum. They had a chance to repent. God is giving you a chance to repent. And, and what that means is homosexuality can be forgiven. Incestual immorality can be forgiven. Treasuring the world in your heart, it can be forgiven. Even giving your own, being willing to give your own daughters up for prostitution can be forgiven. Brothers and sisters, Lot is in heaven. I don't know if you knew that about Lot. If you read 2 Peter 2, 2 Peter 2 says, God rescued righteous Lot. The New Testament calls Lot righteous. If Lot can be saved, anyone can be forgiven. 
What in the world could possibly have happened that there is now this possibility of forgiveness? It must mean that when Jesus came into the world, he took the full weight of judgment upon himself so that now he he really was the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world so that now anyone who believes in him will only receive love from God and mercy and grace and peace, the horror of sin, and the depth of what we know we deserve only highlight how much Jesus must have accomplished on the cross in the new covenant. And God will always remember the new covenant. He will always remember what Jesus did on the cross. So if you believe in him, you really are righteous in God's sight. The gospel is the only way. The gospel is the only way that Lot, you, and me could ever be righteous. So trust in Christ. Let's pray. Lord, help us to be more aware of our sin. Help us to think more about your wrath so that we will understand and appreciate your mercy more. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.